touchdown, Wisconsin. And this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. I'm in a baseball mood today. I had so much fun yesterday, although it was kind of a somber show. The mood was down a little bit, talking about Kobe Bryant and the death of Kobe Bryant and the death of his daughter and seven others in that California helicopter accident. I was enjoying talking Brewers baseball. Talking about Brewers baseball in the offseason is, I, I love it. I enjoy it. I think it's a lot of fun because it's a lot of hypotheticals. It's a lot of argument. It's a lot of opinion because we haven't seen these games be played yet. We haven't watched these players play yet. We haven't even seen spring training, right? We're so far off from Brewers baseball. I'm in a baseball mood today with Brewers on deck this past weekend. Uh, the Loggers winter barbecue was last night. Dave and Scrady were able to get there uh, to talk to Andy Haynes, the Brewers pitching coach. I was able to hear him speak uh, as a part of the dinner as well. It was a lot of fun last night and a lot of love for local baseball, including UWL and Viterbo and everyone involved with the Loggers and even all the way up to the Milwaukee Brewers with Andy Haynes. I've been thinking about baseball and and something has been sticking with me this week. And that is owner Mark Adanasio's message to fans this last weekend at Brewers on Deck. I can't get this out of my mind. Payroll is down 20% last year. It was about $122 million last year. And that's going to drop about 20% assuming nothing crazy happens between now and opening day. And Mark Adanasio's message when asked about the decrease in payroll was trust the process. And this is something we talked about yesterday. Uh, Atanasio said the process has been proven to be eminently trustworthy for the past several seasons. We believe we're going to win a lot of games. Obviously, we have flexibility to add players in season. By the way, I'm one of those fans who questions spending. You make a bad signing. You say, why did you do that? We're trying to be competitive every year. I think we're on a path to do that. And now for several years, virtually every contract we've signed, we have an option for more than a single season. We have signed single players, Uh, for options with two seasons and an option for a third. We have the ability to keep this team together and not have turnover for next season if that's what we decide to do. Mark Atanasio, the Brewers owner, saying, trust the process. It's been working. We believe it will continue to work, and we believe we're going to win a lot of games. And that message from the Brewers owner from this past weekend has been sticking with me the last couple of days, and it's something I've been thinking about, something we're going to talk about today as well. My name is Grant Bills. You're listening to the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. I appreciate you for tuning in. Thanks for hanging out. We're going to talk a lot of baseball today. We're going to talk a little Bucks basketball, and we're going to speak to uh, our morning show host, Dave Carney, of Mornings with Dave and Scrady, and get his Los Angeles Lakers fandom perspective on Kobe Bryant, which is something I wanted to do yesterday, but unfortunately, Dave and Scrady Uh, Doing a little bit of working, doing a little bit of grinding. They were down at the lacrosse center speaking uh, with Andy Haynes and other. They they were bumping elbows with important people. All right, we'll put it that way. So we get a chance to talk to him uh, coming up in about a half hour about his uh, one of his teams, uh, the Los Angeles Lakers and and the loss of Kobe Bryant. So we're going to cover all that today. But I did want to start with the Brewers. and I wanted to start with baseball. I think when when we listen to. The owner, Mark Atanasio, talk about trusting the process and expectations for this upcoming year. I think it's important to kind of. To kind of check in. Because the Brewers, there's been so much roster turnover. They've brought in so many new players that I need to remind myself of all the additions they've made. And I would imagine 
that you need to be reminded as well because I can't remember half the guys they brought in. Remember, they changed over a lot of starting pitchers. Chase Anderson and Zach Davies gone. They brought in Eric Lauer. Uh, they signed Josh Lindblom. Remember, Brandon Woodruff and Adrian Hauser are going to be back, but they brought in some new arms. Catcher, they brought in Omar Navarez to replace Yasmani Grandal and go alongside Manny Pena. At first base, maybe Justin Smoke. Maybe Ryan Braun will take time at that position as well. And then third base is is kind of a mash unit. Maybe Eric Sogard, maybe Jed Jerko, maybe Luis Urias. Maybe, 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 maybe. Who knows? But they have a lot of new faces. And Brewers fans certainly don't know where all of these new faces are going to play. Maybe the Brewers managers and the front office doesn't even know where these guys are going to go yet. Crop of new players all coming in this season. And let's be honest, whether or not you believe the Brewers are going to win a lot of games this year, win the division, make the playoffs, contend for a championship, no matter what you believe, optimistic, pessimistic, or anywhere in between, you must admit and acknowledge that the Brewers made serious downgrades at a couple of positions, including catcher. Going from Yasmani Grandal to Omar Navarez is not exactly, well, well. And at third base, going from Mike Moustakis to Eric Sogard, Jed Jerko, Luis Urias, fill in the blank, none of the options are Mike Moustakis. Now, That doesn't mean that you need to believe the Brewers are going to get worse, but they did make serious downgrades at a couple very, very important positions. Be honest with yourself. Whether you think the Brewers are going to contend or not, if you've listened to the show, I don't think they're going to contend. But even if you believe with the most optimistic rigor in your fandom that the Brewers are going to contend, you have to admit and you have to acknowledge that they made downgrades at some very important positions and lost some really, really good players. So this is my question to you. What do the Brewers do really, really well? What are they elite at? What is their identity? Because championship teams have identities. It's something that's very corny. It's something that's very cliche, and you hear a lot of radio hosts, television hosts say this. What's the team's identity? It is very important, even if it's overused and it's cliche. Here's why. I think championship teams have an identity. They have something, if, if it's only one thing, that they are elite at. The San Francisco 49ers run the football. The Chiefs? They have Patrick Mahomes. That's their identity. I think you need an identity. I think you need one portion of your team that is elite and better than everyone else. Look, that's why I think the Packers were one game short of a Super Bowl. What were the Packers elite at? Well, they were pretty good at running the football. At times, they were pretty good at passing the football. They were pretty good defensively, pretty good at forcing turnovers, pretty good in the red zone. But what was the one thing that they were amazing at? What was the one thing that when the going got tough in Los Angeles or in San Francisco that they could lean on? Uh, I don't know. In fact, maybe you could say that the identity of this Packers team was not having an identity and being able to win lots of different ways. That ultimately caught up with them when they had no one elite facet of their game to turn to when they needed it most. It doesn't mean you can't win a lot of games without an identity, but I think ultimately to win a championship, you need that one thing. You need that it factor. What do the Brewers have? What are they elite at? I don't think their bullpen is dominant. I I think Brewers fans are holding on to that idea that the the Brewers have this amazing bullpen. This bullpen is not what it was two years ago. They have Josh Hader, who you could argue isn't the pitcher he was two years ago. I think he's still very, very good. But if you don't have a couple of questions about Josh Hader going into the season, I don't think you're being honest with yourself. The Brewers are ultimately going to rely on Corey Knable. And Brent Suter, and they're coming off major injuries. And and Bobby Wall, all coming off injuries. It's a lot of question marks. I don't think the Brewers can lean on their bullpen like they did two years ago. They're starting pitching? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think they're the Nationals. I don't think they're the Astros. 
What about their offense? Well, a year ago, maybe, they had Christian Yelich, Mike Moustakis, Yasmani Grandal, Lorenzo Cain. Well, Lorenzo Cain is a year older, and Yasmani Grandal and Mike Moustakis are gone. I don't think their offense is elite. What is the one thing the Brewers are elite at? The one thing they're better at than everybody else? The one thing they can hang their hat on? I think they have an elite manager, and I think that's it. That's not to say that their offense can't be pretty good, or their starting pitching or their bullpen can't be pretty good. We'll have to see how how that plays out. I think they have an elite manager. I'm very down on the Brewers right now. I don't think they're a very good team. I'm not down on Craig Council. I think Craig Council will squeeze every possible win from this team. I think he will get every ounce of potential from this team. I want Craig Council to manage a good team. I don't want him to have to tinker with with using an opener and bringing in the bullpen in the fourth and the fifth inning and, 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 and figuring out different ways to win. I want him to have a traditional powerhouse of a baseball team. And some of you will reference last year. Well, why were they better last year? Because Travis Shaw was a black hole in their lineup when Keston Hero was wasting away in the minor leagues. I want Craig Council to have full organizational support to field the best team possible, the best starting rotation possible, the best offense possible without cutting corners and without cutting costs. Because only then... Will Craig Council be able to manage like an actual baseball manager? And I think he's a damn good baseball manager. And contend for a championship. Craig Council is what makes this Brewers team elite. He is an elite manager. I think he's one of the best managers in Major League Baseball. And I think he's the best coach in the state of Wisconsin of any of our sports teams. He is what makes this Brewers team elite. I don't think it will be enough. I think this Brewers team will overachieve based on their talent and based on their payroll. But ultimately, that's that's not what I cheer for. That's not what I aspire towards as a Brewer fan. I look, I, I don't I don't get excited. I don't feel pride when our team almost makes the playoffs. And I don't turn around when the Brewers almost make the playoffs and say, well, they're the smallest market in the majors and and look at how much less their payroll is in these other teams. I don't care. You don't play major league baseball games, you don't play a 162 game season to see how little money you can spend. And to be able to boast about your small market size. You play to win a championship. And I think the best, most elite, strongest portion of this team is Craig Council. And he's going to lead the Brewers to a very overachieving season. But ultimately, look, I cheer for my teams to win a championship. And this Brewers team doesn't have a chance to win a championship. They don't. Even with an elite manager like Craig Council. They just don't. That's too bad. We're going to continue talking about the Brewers, including... Hearing from their hitting coach, Andy Haynes, who was in town last night. David Scrady bumping elbows last night at the Lacrosse Center with some pretty important people. Andy Haynes talked about the Brewers, talked about the Northwoods League, and even gave some advice to young coaches, covering a lot of different topics. It's some really, really interesting stuff, and I want to share some of uh, that with you coming up next. The Wisco Sports Show continues, presented by Played Against Sports, right here on WKTY. Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. I am your host. Hope you're having an awesome night. If you want to share your thoughts, we're talking Brewers. We're talking Brewers baseball. You want to share your thoughts, shoot me a text. 608-796-2558. That's the five-star telecom talk and text line. Look, Mark Atanasio says, trust the process, trust the process, trust the process. It's worked the last couple of years. We've been competitive. We've been making the postseason. Trust the process. Well, Mark, or Mr. Atanasio, respectfully, as the owner of my Milwaukee Brewers, the process the last two years was 
sign really good baseball players. You didn't sign really good baseball players this offseason. You signed guys to wear jerseys and to go out there and fill up the roster. So excuse me if I notice a difference in the process, that the process has changed and therefore don't want to trust it and therefore don't believe in it. That's what I would have to say to one Mark Atanasio, the Brewers owner, chairman, CEO, whatever his his title is. I, I, I'm on kind of this baseball kick the last couple of days, and I like talking about baseball because the lacrosse uh, loggers winter barbecue was last night, so we got to hear from uh, coaches from UWL, Viterbo, uh, obviously representatives from the loggers, and Andy Haynes, the Brewers pitching coach, was in town as well. And then, of course, Brewers on Deck was this past weekend, so we heard voices like Mark Atanasio and David Stearns and Craig Council and even players as the Brewers do this yearly fan festival to try to get fans excited about the upcoming season and spring training and and, and as the weather warms up and, and we slowly get less and less depressed, we are ready for baseball. Last night was a really cool event at the Lacrosse Center put on by the Loggers. A lot of interesting speakers. And it made me miss summer. It made me long for days where I can go to Copeland Park and get there at 7 and the sun is still up. Imagine that. Isn't that wild? It made me miss summer. Like Chris Calloway, the assistant general manager, talked uh, last night. Coaches from UWL and from Viterbo and, and kind of gave the update on on what their team is doing and players who are returning, players who are departing, uh, plans they have to play in Florida or to play at U.S. Bank Stadium. It it was an interesting environment and really interesting to hear these coaches talk about their teams and their players. Team GM was there, and then, of course, Andy Haynes, uh, the Brewers hitting coach. It was almost like it was like loggers on deck, like Brewers on deck was this last week, loggers on deck or their winter barbecue was last night. It was a celebration of baseball in the area. It wasn't just the loggers or the Brewers but it also included college teams. And then, of course, those coaches playing to their audience a little bit, talking about how there are a lot of familiar faces, a lot of kids from the area on those teams as well, from Lacrosse Central, from Aquinas, um, from uh, from Arcadia as well. It was it was more so a celebration of baseball and the sport of baseball in our area, and, and that was pretty cool. Now, Dave and Scrady, while I was on air yesterday, while the Wisco Sports Show was, was going on, were able to get down to the Lacrosse Center, bump some elbows with, with important people, and, and get Brewers hitting coach Andy Haynes And we're able to ask him a couple of questions. I think it's fascinating. They talked about the Northwoods League for a while. And whether or not you are a fan of the Loggers or a fan of the Northwoods League, I think you will recognize that it's a pretty unique event when you go to a Loggers game. I grew up near Eau Claire, so I went to a couple of Express games growing up. Like, semi-professional baseball is a cool atmosphere. It's an event. It's a showcase as much as it is a baseball game with the fan giveaways and the party decks, and you can often take a bus or a shuttle to the games. It's a, it's a fun experience. And Coach Andy Haynes talked about what makes the Northwoods League important, what makes the Northwood Leagues special and good uh, in our area, like the lacrosse loggers. This is pretty interesting stuff. Yeah, you're right. When I look up, um, you do, you hear about a lot of guys playing in the league. I, I don't know. Um, it's unique. You know, it's, it's hard to compare it to the Cape or Team USA. Um, you're going to get... You know, the guys that are very high-profile guys, um, but it's a different league. It's hard to compare. It's, it's, it's one of a kind, and nobody can replicate the environment. And to tell you a story about Max Scherzer is when I managed Waterloo 2004, I'm coaching third in lacrosse as the manager you do here, and Scherzer comes out of the pen in the seventh inning, and I remember asking the third baseman, I said, this guy's not your closer? This guy's pitching in the seventh inning? I'm like, man, I got a bad team because I got nobody like this dude. I'm like, who's pitching the eighth and ninth, man? And uh, I'm like, why is? Are you kidding me? Like, then they had uh, Chris Goodell was shocked. I said, I remember they they closed Guy McDowell, who was good. 
you know, he had a lot of command. He was good. And uh, But I remember, like, shaking my head, man, man, I got no chance this summer with this team because I do not have this guy pitching in the seventh inning. So, um, you know, it is. It's just uh, it's a, it's a great league, and it's it's uh, made a big impact on me, gave me an opportunity. And um, as a young coach, I needed that experience. Um, and it, it, it helped me. Uh, there's no question I'll be more prepared when I do get opportunities later on. It was pretty interesting learning the background of Andy Haynes and, and a lot of managers and coaches in the major leagues who make their way up through places like Waterloo and Lacrosse and the Eau Claire Express and the Madison Mallards and teams like that. Because you think Craig Council, Andy Haynes, like if you want to talk about other assistant coaches like Dale Swain and others who have been a part of the Brewer staff or have been on the Brewer staff in the past, a lot of these guys came up through what we consider to be hometown baseball teams like the lacrosse loggers who cut their teeth managing or coaching or playing on teams like this and environments like Copeland Park, which is pretty cool. And it's cool to hear stories of, yeah, we were playing the lacrosse loggers and Max Scherzer gets rolled out in the seventh inning. He didn't even close. Wasn't even a setup guy. Wasn't even a starter. He was essentially a middle relief pitcher. And that speaks to the, the caliber and the quality of baseball players in the Northwoods League. And I know he compared it to the Cape Cod League. I'm, I Look, I'm not an expert on summer league baseball or semi-professional baseball. From what I have come to understand from people I've talked to, Cape Cod League is is 1 or 1A, and the Northwoods League is, is 1B. And Andy Haynes also talked about it's a professional environment. You're playing every day. You're traveling, you're playing in in larger ballparks with crowds because let's be real, people in Wisconsin and the surrounding area, we like to have a reason to sit outside in the beautiful sunshine in the summer because we don't get very much, right? Summer is very short and we like an excuse to eat and drink and have fun. And the Northwoods League provides that atmosphere for players like it would provide an atmosphere for professional players. Uh, Andy Haynes continued to talk about, now not the Northwoods League, but the Milwaukee Brewers, of course he is the hitting coach, talked about improvements they need to make in 2020. Yeah, so I think if you look last year, our body of work, well, it's, it's, it's a tough question because we, we do look a lot different, you know, so I'm not really going to use last year's model. I think some of our concepts don't change. We know who we are. Um, we just want to be an elite offense that can win every type of game and be versatile. I think you're going to be in a lot of different t- types of games during the season. So really my job is to support those guys individually um, to be the best version of themselves, you know, on a daily basis. Um that's that's job number one, and number two, like a team culture identity is, I, I say the word no one trick ponies. I, I think it's dangerous to say this is what we do. Uh, we hit home runs or we play this way. It's like you're going to play in games during the season where runs are being scored, so you better better be able to st- sit in there and score runs. And when it's time to execute and runs are at a premium, you know we want to have that game awareness and we want to be able to execute and and win those type of games also. I know Brewers fans are excited hearing that saying, well, we just don't want to hit home runs. And that's easier said than done. You don't want to be that team that is reliant on the home run because we've seen it with the Milwaukee Brewers. They have a season where they hit just a a massive amount of home runs only to run into a team that knows how to keep the ball in the ballpark in the postseason, and you're eliminated just like that. Or in the case of the Minnesota Twins last year, set a, a, a franchise and a league record for the amount of home runs hit, and then when you run into an elite starting rotation or, or you play in bigger ballparks, well, now all of a sudden it becomes a little bit of a struggle. You don't want to be reliant on one form of offense, and I like that that Andy Haynes spoke to that. Uh, the final piece, the the final uh, interview uh, that Dave and Scrady did, or the final question that they asked, is is about advice to young coaches. And it's a really, really, really cool answer that Andy Haynes gave, and it's about three minutes long, and we don't really have time to get to it. I would suggest that you go to WKTYsports.com 
or you download our mobile app if you haven't already, and you go listen to the podcast because Dave Inscrady included it in their overtime podcast from this morning. And it's pretty good perspective from Andy Haynes, who has been in the Northwoods League, has been a player, has now been a coach, and is now coaching at the highest level in the major leagues as a hitting coach for the Milwaukee Brewers, a guy who has seen a lot, who has been through a lot. So if you haven't already, download our mobile app, go to WK2iSports.com, and, and, and listen to that interview because it is the, the answer is three or four minutes long, and I, and I don't want... I, I don't want to spend the time to listen to it right now, but it is something you definitely need to check out. And and it's, you know, if I may say so myself, some fine investigative journalism from the two pros pros uh, that you hear six to nine every morning on WKTY, Dave Carney uh, and Matt Scrady. They did an excellent job uh, getting down there and getting some awesome content. You can check it all out on our website or on our mobile app. Speaking of the consummate pros, the pros pro, we're going to talk to Dave Carney uh, because he is our resident Laker fan on this station, who has a, a history of being a Laker fan and obviously living all over the country, not just here in Wisconsin like myself. So we're going to talk to him about Kobe Bryant and remembering Kobe Bryant coming up in about 15 minutes. First, I want to talk about the Bucks and the current state of the NBA because it's it's an eerie, weird set of circumstances surrounding the NBA right now, and the Bucks are right in the middle of that. They're a part of it. They play tonight. Uh, they play uh, the Washington Wizards, and that game will tip off at 7 o'clock, pregame at 6.30 here on WKTY. So we're going to talk about all that, talk to Dave Carney coming up in just a few minutes. You're listening to the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. I'm your host. Thanks for hanging out. You can follow me on Twitter at KeystrokerGrant. Follow us all at WKTY to stay up to date with what's going on, what is in the news, and what Dave and Scrady have to say in their opinions on everything from food to the best bars in lacrosse to music and, of course, sports as well. You want to share your thoughts or join the show, please do. 608-796-2558. That's the five-star telecom talk and text line. We spent a lot of time talking about this yesterday, and I don't want to continue to beat uh, this drum or or sound like a broken record. The NBA is in an eerie, eerie place right now. And and Sunday was, it it was almost uncomfortable because the news of Kobe Bryant's death came through in the early afternoon. I don't remember if it was around one or two in the afternoon. And there were games that were played Sunday afternoon and Sunday night. And, And these players are heartbroken. They're in tears. They're emotional. And yet they, they are asked to go out and play these games. There, there wasn't really precedent for canceling games, so I don't blame the NBA. There, there have been some cancellations and some adjustments, and, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes. It's weird to tune in and watch an NBA game where the players are, are paying tribute to Kobe Bryant by taking 24-second violations and 8-second violations, which interestingly enough, and, and maybe it makes the situation all the more poetic, but those are the two, right, the two lengths of clock in the two violations in basketball, right? The eight-second violation to get across half court and the 24-second violation, which is a shot clock violation. Of course, both of those totals, those numbers, uh, match Kobe's two jersey numbers, both retired by the Los Angeles Lakers. We talked about the idea of a media spectacle yesterday, uh, which is which is a, a, a theory or, or a term coined uh, in the communication studies discipline by Douglas Kellner, talking about how, and he first used it to discuss the Iraq War and 9-11, meaning there are these events, there are these happenings that are so huge and so shocking and so jarring that every media outlet, sports, news, politics, everything is covering that one event. All of our eyeballs turn to that one event. And of course, had social media existed in the way that it does now in 2001, or at any point during the Iraq War, which was Douglas Kellner's first like case of study when talking about a media media spectacle, 
social media certainly would have been included in this idea. I think Kobe Bryant's death certainly counts as a media spectacle, right? I don't know what you were doing on Sunday afternoon, but as soon as you heard the news, you were glued to your phone. You were glued to the TV. You were trying to get these details of the accident and who exactly had passed away, if it was real or fake, the details that you needed. Everybody was glued to their phone or glued to the television screen in a way that we don't often see. In fact, I don't know if I had ever seen it in my lifetime. That certainly was the case during 9-11. I don't remember 9-11. Maybe you can talk about Michael Jackson's death. That's something I also don't remember very well and also didn't appreciate because I didn't live through the era where Michael Jackson was the king of pop. Right, I understand that he was this dancer, the singer that people loved, but it didn't really resonate with me. This was the first time in my life where a celebrity or a former athlete had died, and I felt that impact. Right, and this idea of a media media spectacle, meaning one event or one happening, completely monopolized every media outlet and every television screen and every station and every form of social media: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. It was all Kobe Bryant. Sunday, it was mostly Kobe Bryant yesterday. And yeah, I spent a lot of time on Twitter. It's mostly Kobe Bryant today, too. And I was doing a little bit of research today because I'm I'm sure you've heard now that the Lakers-Clippers game that was scheduled to be played tonight uh, was rescheduled. And and after doing a little bit of reading and research, uh, uh, what I've read and heard from Adrian Wojnarowski, who's ESPN's number one, he's the Adam Schefter of the NBA. Maybe if you don't follow NBA as close as, as some of us do, The John F. Kennedy assassination was the last time that the NBA has canceled games. That's the only precedent there has been for canceling games. And the Lakers-Clippers game was canceled actually per the Lakers' request. This is not something the league took initiative on, although maybe it was in the back of their mind. This was something the Lakers requested. So the statement from the NBA reads this way. The decision was made out of respect for the Lakers organization, which is deeply grieving the tragic loss of Lakers legend Kobe Bryant, his daughter Gianna, and seven other people in a helicopter crash on Sunday. That was the statement from the NBA. So the the NBA is saying, look, the Lakers are, are going through it right now. Their players and their organization and their fans are going through it. They have requested that the Lakers-Clippers game be moved, and we have honored that request, which I think is a class act by the NBA and, and honestly a, a move that I think is, is a no-brainer. It would have been bizarre. It would have been eerie, almost spooky, to have to watch that game tonight because the Lakers and the Clippers is probably the hottest matchup in the NBA right now, despite what the standings might look like. And yet the focus of that game and the fans and and the happening side of the Staples Center would have been on Kobe Bryant in a way that maybe we haven't seen in the past. And there are tribute, you know, nights where players' numbers are retired or players are remembered or there's some sort of anniversary. But that would have been unlike anything I have ever seen in my lifetime. And and therefore the game is canceled because I think the the NBA wants to make the games about the games. You know, as, as great as these tributes are, this might have been too much even for an NBA game where we always see jersey retirement or or a homecoming for a player who has moved on in free agency or was traded. There are actually a lot of players showing support for Kobe or showing remembrance uh, for Kobe by changing their numbers. There's a lot of 24s. There's a lot of 8s in the NBA. Number 8 is actually, it, fun fact, you can quiz people on this, number 8 is actually the second most possible jersey number in the league. There's 19 players currently wearing number 8. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie wears number eight. Terrence Ross wears number eight. And they have announced that they are going to change their number. I believe Terrence Ross going to 19 and Spencer Dinwiddie going to 26. The the, the Dallas Mavericks are straight up retiring both of those numbers. No Mavericks are ever going to wear those numbers again. That might be something that in the somewhat near future, the entire NBA does. I'm not sure. 
11 players wear the number 24. Kemba Walker, Zach Levine, Buddy Heald, just a few examples. And it has been reported that maybe those players might decide to change their number in, in honor and in remembrance of Kobe Bryant, who passed away on Sunday. Now, Giannis doesn't wear either of those numbers. He obviously wears number 34. Giannis was asked after practice uh, yesterday uh, about the Kobe Bryant tragedy and, and his thoughts on it. And, and look, I edited this audio just a little bit uh, to make it a little bit easier to understand and a little bit easier to comprehend because there were there was a lot of pauses. Giannis is, is having a tough time. Giannis worked out with Kobe. He had a relationship with Kobe. And, and Giannis uh, is not exempt from the sadness and the tragedy that all the rest of the NBA is feeling as well. So I did clip this up. Just know that there were a lot of pauses. There were some stutters. He had to clear his throat a few times. But in order to make it a little bit easier to understand his thoughts on Kobe, I had to edit it just a little bit. You know, everybody deal with a tragedy in their own way. And um, I deal with the dealt with a tragedy a few years ago but my dad did not come out speak about it at all all i can say is that i pray for the people that was affected by it yes it was a horrible day you know for basketball for everybody um, a lot of people was really affected by it uh, send my uh, deepest condolences to their family vanessa and the kids that uh, left behind and uh, all we got can do is just you know pray for them and um that's it Giannis then after that answer that was kind of his statement said you know I I I really don't want to talk about this and reporters like they they have to persisted and I thought Zora Stevenson of Fox Sports Wisconsin did a respectful and and a really good job asking Giannis look you had a relationship with Kobe media members and other players and coaches had a relationship with Kobe but you know, the majority of sports fandom, we never had a chance to meet Kobe, talk to Kobe. We watched him on TV and that was it. Yet, so many of us feel the impact of this loss despite never having a personal relationship with Kobe. And Zora Stevenson, I thought, did a good job asking Giannis, why do you think that is? Can you speak on, on how you knew Kobe and why others might be feeling the way that they do despite never meeting the man? Kobe, you know, means greatness. Um, you know, this Kobe's two different people. Basketball player and the person of the court. You know, you always had that smile, you always had that charisma that um, that he carried with, and uh, I think it touched a lot of people in the world, it touched my family, it touched a lot of families that never had a chance to meet him. It's, it's a sad day. There's, there's not much there's not much you can say about it. Just got to sit down and, you know, just ask questions and realize what's important in life. And Giannis, look, the two most important things to him are basketball and family. And I think he probably feels the impact of a loss like this is is Kobe's daughter perishing with him in that accident. I think he probably understands the gravity of the situation as well as anybody because I think basketball and family, much like Kobe Bryant, are the two most important things to him. Coming up next, we're going to talk to our Lakers guy. That's Dave Carney, Mornings with Dave and Scrady here on WKTY. We're going to get his thoughts on the situation. I would have loved to talk to him yesterday, but he was busy uh, shaking hands, kissing babies at the Loggers Winter Barbecue and talking to Brewers hitting coach Andy Haynes. We have an opportunity to talk to him coming up next. Dave Carney on the way as we wrap up the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Grant Bills. I am your host. We had to talk about it yesterday. The very, very tragic news of Kobe Bryant passing away along with eight others, nine total, including his daughter Gianna, of course, the pilot of the helicopter and other parents, coaches, and children on their way to a basketball tournament uh, when that helicopter went down. 
in Calabasas, almost eerily similar to the helicopter crash of Stevie Ray Vaughan in the early 90s. It was foggy. It, 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 it happened when the helicopter went down and hit the side of a hill. It's it's terrible. It's tragic, and it is impacting players, coaches, and sports fans all, all over the country the last couple of days. And Dave Carney of Mornings with Dave and Scrady obviously has spent time in Los Angeles, is a Laker fan alongside his Bucks fandom, and I wanted to talk to him yesterday. We had the opportunity to get him today. Uh, Dave, I, I know it's it's almost insensitive to ask how you are doing, um, but how are you, man? I, I'm glad I get to talk to you for a couple of minutes, and I'm sure you feel just as sad about this as the rest of us. Yeah, thanks, G-Bills. It's good to be with you. And look, I didn't know Kobe Bryant, but I've watched him for 20 years, right, as a Laker fan. So personally, I'm affected in a way that is personal to me, but I don't know if that's a shared experience with the collective. Now, his family I feel terrible for, and I'm I'm glad you mentioned the other eight people, and obviously Gianna, the one that everybody else knows. But there were a lot of incredible people aboard that helicopter, and you, sir, are too young to remember when Stevie went down, but... I was about 11 years old when that happened, and I told my wife when we heard the news out of an establishment here in La Crosse, this reminded me exactly of when Stevie Ray had passed on, and Stevie Ray had just gotten rid of drugs, had just gotten rid of alcohol, had really started to play some of his best guitar, had reached a new, a new peak in his life creatively, and then he was taken. And so the parallels that you draw are perfect, and I'm glad that you did that. So I don't know how I'm doing right now. I'm still kind of in shock, right? We talked about it on Monday, which was rough because I didn't watch or listen to anything on Sunday night. I spent time with my my wife and my, my son, and then I had conversations with former co-hosts and colleagues of mine from coast to coast, all people who have worked and been around sports, some who have worked with Colby and a ancillary way and, and, and just others who have watched him and Grant it was so tough to, to to capitulate to the fact that he's dead yeah he's dead he's gone and the clip that you played from Giannis I think is really touching because Giannis of course and Kobe for those that don't know spent time training about three years back Giannis went to Kobe like many stars in in, in all sorts of sports fields do NFL NBA, major league teams, but Giannis went and worked out with Kobe, so they have a connection, but Giannis' dad passed away. Yeah. So the point is, the feeling that he has of this is going to be tempered because of his own extreme tragedy and loss, but I do think that there is a transcendent sort of an effect with Kobe's passing. You mentioned JFK. Both of us weren't around for that. I was for 9-11. It was three days or uh, yeah, three days before my 21st birthday, Grant. Yeah. Um, 9-11 to me will never be etched out of my memory. But you said media circuits, and this is what this kind of is for the sheer fact that Kobe transcended sports. There's very few people that have one name that they're known by. He's one of them. And because of that, it's just become uh, it, it's just become a real hard sort of a week to get back onto the regular footing and see Super Bowl is coming up on Sunday. We got Badger basketball and a different Kobe we're talking about, and life goes on. I mean, and that's the other thing that we have to remember is that this happened. It's a travesty, but life goes on, and 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 nobody would have known that better than Kobe. Yeah, and I'm sure Kobe would would be wanting us to continue to grind in our respective jobs, right? To, as he would, hit the gym at 4 o'clock in the morning. And I think that's the attitude that 
that he was doing such a good job, Dave, of, of transitioning out of basketball and becoming a coach and a mentor to his children and getting into these other fields. And I think another parallel to Stevie Ray Vaughan is Stevie Ray Vaughan had finally kicked drugs and finally kicked alcohol, and he was a dude who was playing the best music of his career. And, I, and look, I don't know if if Kobe's impact at this point in his life was greater than playing. That's not the point, but somebody who had just gone through a transition and gone through that transition better than I've seen a lot of sports stars do it, transitioning to that next phase in his life only to be sadly taken. And Dave, just speaking for myself, I didn't grow up watching Kobe. I didn't get into the NBA until about 2008, 2009. And at that point, it was Dwayne Wade, and then it became LeBron James. I didn't watch Kobe when I was little like a lot of my friends did. Look, for people my age, Kobe is Michael Jordan. He is our version of Michael Jordan. He was the face of the league when we started watching sports. Why I was so torn up and why I was so sad when I saw the news and I immediately, you know, tweeted at my at, on on Twitter is look, dude, Kobe's got four daughters. And then of course we we ultimately learned that one of those daughters, probably the most well-known Gianna, was on the helicopter as well. That look that was brutal because we all watched him play sports, but to know that he has four daughters and all four he was embracing in one way or another through coaching or just through being a dad, like Dave, that was just terrible to hear. And then when I ultimately learned that Gianna was on the helicopter, that made it that made it no easier. Well, Brad, I got a 15 year old kid, yeah, and he lives with me here in Wisconsin, and that is the hardest part of all of this. Seeing the remembrances. With Kobe and Gianna. Now, say what you will about Kobe, because when you say more successful than most athletes, I beg to find another athlete that has been more successful post-career quicker than Kobe was. Yeah. An Academy Award, check. An Emmy Award, check. New York Times bestseller for a creative project he'd been working on, which is a series of children's books, kind of based around a Harry Potter-esque theme. New York Times bestseller, check. Oh, yeah, and then he had the Mamba Academy. Oh, yeah, and then he's pioneering women in the NBA. Oh, oh yeah, there has never been a post-athlete success story like Kobe Bryant. This is why Kobe Bryant, Grant, transcends sports, because in any profession, sports, business, politics, you name it, doesn't matter what it is, greatness recognizes greatness, which is why I like you. And when you look at Kobe, you don't need to be an athlete or a musician or a businessman, you, you could be anything and say, that's greatness because he puts in the work every day. So when I think about what the legacy and what could come, Magic had a great post-career, tragedy happened to him. I think perhaps, just perhaps, the three remaining children that he has left, the wife that he has left, the community that supports him in Los Angeles, they probably love Kobe more than they love Magic or yeah. Kareem or anybody. Yeah. Kobe is the most beloved person. I, grew, I, I mean, I was born in Los Angeles. Kobe will hold a place in their hearts that will never be diminished. So my hope is, and this is what I told the people that I talked to in the first moments when I learned of Kobe's passing, my hope is there is somehow, some way, a fund Vanessa and the family donate to, some sort of cause that there is going to need a champion for. And those people will be able to put Kobe's name behind that. And, and if you think about what Magic did for the cause of HIV and AIDS grant, you weren't, of course, around for this, but I went to my first Denver Nuggets-Houston Rockets game when I moved from Los Angeles to Denver. The night Magic announced he was stepping away from AIDS. That was a death sentence in 1991. Yeah. He figured he was dead. Now you can take a pill, have a nice time with somebody, and still not pass it on if you're, if you're okay. That's Magic. So maybe, just maybe, Kobe's passing is going to lead somewhere 
down the line to something so incredibly great, um, it will make all of this seem like it was for a purpose, which is what you struggle to find when these things happen. Why did this happen? What is the purpose? There was a lot of great things going on with not just Kobe and Gianna, but all of the other people in that helicopter grant were some pretty special people. And there, you know, if there's something that can come of this that transcends that, that would be my everlasting hope. Yeah, Dave Carney from Mornings with Dave and Scrady joining us. Just a couple minutes left uh, here on the Five Star Telecom talking text line. Dave, I, I know the Lakers-Clippers game tonight was postponed, which I think was a no-brainer move by the NBA to honor the, the Lakers' request. It, it was an eerie scene on, on Sunday, right? Watching these games actually be played, knowing that Kobe Bryant and the news of his death had just hit these players and coaches hours before. I, I think the NBA did the right move, uh, certainly by postponing this game. What do you think comes in the next week or two? Because we see tributes all the time during NBA games, right? Jersey retirements or, or homecomings yeah. for players who have since moved on to other teams or who have retired. You know, what do you think the NBA can do? And as, as we watch Bucks games or we watch, you know, a doubleheader on Wednesday or Thursday night, maybe what can we come to expect the next couple of weeks? How can the NBA do their part uh, to make this as, as ceremonious as possible for Kobe and his family? Well, I think the players are doing that for them. And that's why the NBA is the most popular league amongst all athletes, because the players are deciding. I heard you talking about Spencer Dinwiddie. He is going through with the change of that number 26. He is purchasing the first 260 jerseys for fans that switch over to his number 26 jersey. Okay. Uh, Buddy Heald, I think, is going to stay at 24. Buddy Heald, deeply affected. Buddy Heald from Jamaica or the islands, I apologize for not recalling correctly, yeah. but Kobe was his idol, the reason that he played basketball growing up. So I don't know that he changes his number. That might happen. I think the NBA is doing what the NBA is doing already. Um, for the Lakers, the next game for them will be Friday night against Portland, Carmelo versus LeBron. I think there's a piece of catharsis there. The Lakers, Clippers, there, there would have been no way, as you hinted at in the previous segment, to really pull that off. There's just no focus that would have been paid to the game. Nobody would have been able to perform, and it would have been a sloppy mess, and the TV would have, the product would have suffered. Yeah. They wouldn't have been good. But I will say this, and, and I'm, a, I'm wearing my Bucks sweatshirt right now. Giannis is out tonight. Shoulder injury, they're saying. He won't be playing on WKTY. But I'm watching out for the Lakers right now because the one thing that has never fully been tested is the full, unbridled, unleashed, chaotic focus of LeBron James. I don't know the last time we've seen this. And whatever the Lakers are doing this year, what he said on Instagram is that I have got your legacy. This is mine to carry now, and I'm taking it over. I'm just a little nervous right now because yeah. I, I don't know what this means for everybody. I, I feel like there could be some very exciting basketball in the last couple of months because this isn't just a LeBron thing or a Lakers thing. We talked about Giannis. This is an every player type thing. You said Michael Jordan, Grant, when you started watching basketball, Kobe went to three consecutive finals, 08, 09, and 10. Yep. They won two of three. So you came in at like the end of the Michael Jordan era of 97, 98. This could potentially mirror something like that. I think this will be an everyman uh, type of a situation. And, and, and the Bucks, of course, are right now poised to be the best and, and probably assured. But boy, I'm a little nervous for the Lakers. Yeah, I think the last time maybe we've seen all-out LeBron. I mean, I can think of Game 6 uh, against Boston. I can think of some of his performances in the postseason. When LeBron is motivated, man, it's it's a terrifying thing, and I and I definitely get that. That is a long ways off. We want the Bucks to win. We want the Lakers and their fans to 
to help heal and recover. And and when the NBA Finals come around, we're certainly going to talk about it again, Dave. Thanks for giving me a couple of minutes. I know this is a tough subject, a tough topic, but I, I really appreciate it, man. Have a good one. My crap. Yeah, that's Dave Carney. Mornings with Dave and Scrady. Hug your kids. Hug your wife. Hug your family, right? Appreciate every second that you have because you just never know. The last time you talk to someone, the last time you see someone, you just absolutely never know. And I think Sunday, if there was any purpose, at least in the short term, at least for us, as Bucks fans who don't live in L.A. and and, and and don't watch the Lakers, that's the takeaway, right? That That's the that's the, the purpose of what happened on Sunday. So just keep that in mind. Tomorrow we'll be back talking Brewers, talking Bucks, talking Packers, whatever else is going on. Enjoy the rest of the night. Bucks game, 7 o'clock here on WKTY. Talk to you tomorrow.